Welcome to Paper Boys. We have an exciting episode for you this week about recent discoveries on cause of death near Mount Vesuvius in the 79 AD eruption with Pompeii and the Roman settlement of Herculaneum. This was, I can say with confidence, the most disturbing episode that we've done. This actually tops the bonus episode we normally cite as our most disturbing episode. Uh, so if you have a good morbid curiosity and you want to hear about really gruesome ways that people died in this ancient volcanic eruption, then then stay tuned. If you're also curious about tenuous connections between Beyonce's poop and what happens to your brain when you decompose, this is absolutely your episode. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, this is an episode for that too. We hope you enjoy it. So sit back and enjoy this week's episode of Paper Boys. Welcome to Paper Boys, the weekly podcast where we unravel the research papers behind the latest major headlines in science. I'm your host this week, James, joined, as always, by Charlie. Welcome, Charlie. Thanks, James. I'm really pumped about this one. Yeah, this week, you've probably seen in the headlines, there's been a lot of news about Mount Vesuvius and the unfortunate neighbors, residents at its foot, uh, the huge volcano that erupted in 79 AD and... Uh, a lot of new investigations into their, how should I say, not so elegant peril. Yeah, cause of, cause of death, a post mortem. I like how uh, this volcano eruption happened more than two or like two thousand years ago, and we're like, it's like making headlines now. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy how like fascinated we are by this one event that happened, and still learning so much about it. Yeah, I. It's it's like kind of disturbing, like. I don't know. You just think about the people who lived in Pompeii, and I think there was another town that got destroyed, right? Yeah, there were a few other settlements. Uh, so we'll actually be talking about Herculaneum. But okay. Yeah. But you just think of like, there were just people living there. They just like died one day, it, like instantly. And now like thousands of years later, people are walking around like looking at their ashy imprints left on the walls and stuff. And there's weird stuff left because it's so well preserved. Like all the, I think Pompeii famously has these brothels that are like perfectly preserved and the frescoes on the wall of like wow you know that's crazy how to order what you want it's pretty messed up i mean i guess it's insightful but yeah weird well all right think on the super off chance that someone listening doesn't know what we're talking about here do you want to give just the quick 30 second you know what's the whole pompeii vesuvius thing yeah absolutely so uh, mount vesuvius is in italy uh it's on the sort of central western coast of the country not too far from Naples. And so in 79 AD, the mountain erupted pretty spontaneously. And as a result of the ash and the pyroclastic flows, so the like molten mud and rock that flows down, basically these settlements on in its foothills were just destroyed instantly. And I think somewhere in the environment of like 20,000 people lived nearby. So Thousands of people died, and the way in which the eruption occurred and in which they died, and these pyroclastic flows uh, went through these towns, people were preserved, like, because of the ash cooling and hardening. So in Pompeii, famously, you can still see people sort of their full shape 
I think everything probably inside is like disintegrated or just the bones are left, but like you still see them like crawling or sleeping or running. Oh and my God. The, I mean, the remains are, yeah, super well preserved. And the town as a result, just being buried in the ash got preserved as well. That's so wild. It's, I mean, you would think like such a destructive event would do nothing but destroy. But in reality, mm-hmm. it's actually made this site more well-kept than a lot of other ancient sites. Yeah, it's like a weird irony of a super destructive volcano perfectly preserving everything, which has made it this archaeological gold mine still, you know, like more than 2,000 years later. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, so I was kind of joking earlier about, wow, how is this even making headlines 2,000 years on? But it kind of <laughs> makes sense. Like this is like an extremely unique event that killed an insanely large amount of people, like enough people that you would still talk about it for a long time. And then on top of it, it has this really important, or has this kind of important historical use around it. Yeah, and we can talk more definitely about like, why is this research even important, except for the fact that it's interesting. But, um, well, so yeah, I guess I'm sort of wondering, what is the actual research? So how do you make headlines on something that's so well already, already known and already well studied? Yeah, so some of the popular news headlines that were coming out, just for reference, in case you haven't seen them, they were like in the New York Times, brains turned to glass, question mark, suffocated in boathouses, Vesuvius victims get new look. Two studies examined grim scenes left at a Roman settlement devastated by the 79 AD eruption. Okay, classic New York Times, very long headline. Super long. Yeah, that's like what we normally see in like our bonus episodes when we go back like 100 years. And the headline has like five sentences. (laughs) Yeah, you're like, okay, I don't even have to read the rest of the story now. Thanks. Yeah. Also really disturbing, though, you started that off by saying brains turned to glass. Yeah. Vitrification or like turning to glass. There's some evidence that the temperatures were so high that brain tissue turned to glass. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And uh, CNN was saying some Mount Vesuvius victims suffered slowly and one victim's brain turned to glass. New research says that gives them some idea of like what the research is that's coming out. And yeah, this, this sounds wild. Yeah. And lastly, on the more laconic end of headlines, <laughs> Fox News said Pompeii shocker vitrified brains from volcano victim discovered. I don't necessarily want to say excellent use of, but a definite use of consonants with all the V sounds. Oh, like alliteration? Yeah. Yeah, vitrified volcano victim. I like it. Yeah, it, I guess it's punchy. It's punchy. Yeah, yeah it's nice and punchy. Yeah, it's it's Pom- no New York Pompeii Times shocker. headline, that's for sure. I will say they messed up because it wasn't Pompeii. It was Herculaneum, which Ooh. is a totally different settlement. So Fox News, shame on you. That's a demerit right there. Yes, but I'll uh, I'll let it go. But I feel like I mean Pompeii is the is almost synonymous with Vesuvius. Like when you're talking about this eruption, you just say, you know, what happened at Pompeii. So it is kind of sad that we forget about these other places. Yeah. Never forget Herculaneum. Never forget. my motto. (laughs) I have that tattooed on my bicep. Yeah. Fortunately, we're on a podcast. No one can question. Yeah. You can can all take that as fact. It's definitely true. Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. So what was the actual research that got uh that was getting picked up then yeah so as you noticed from the headlines there were actually two different papers that came out at the exact same time one from the new england journal of medicine is just a short 
letter. They call it a correspondence in the journal. And this was titled Heat-Induced Brain Vitrification from the Vesuvius Eruption in CE79. And this is from Pierpaolo Patrone, who's an MD at the University of Naples, Federico II in Naples, Italy. And he was first author along with, the, there were several other authors. Uh, so I'll admit, I actually saw this paper and I was actually, I had this kind of earmark to maybe do an episode on. So you beat me to the punch. So I'm only, I'm slightly mad. I beat you. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's good. So you can get a free, it's like a free three issues or three articles a week or a month from the New England Journal of Medicine. So if you're interested, it's worth checking out, especially the supplemental materials, because they have a lot of pictures of the site and like the actual brain glass. Oh, really? It's kind of crazy. Because yeah. when I, because I mean, when I took a quick look, this seemed like it was a fairly short article, but I didn't see all the supplemental materials. Yeah, there's a link in the paper for it. And I mean, the paper is pretty short. So I actually focused more on the other article which was published in the Journal of Antiquity. Uh, the title is A Reevaluation of Manner of Death at Roman Herculaneum Following the AD 79 Eruption of Vesuvius with Rochelle Martin from the Department of Archaeology, University of York, UK, as the first author. Wait, so were these two papers not related? They just happened to come out at the same time? I wonder if they corresponded with each other to publish them at the same time. Because, like... It's definitely helped the news case, having them both come out. But as far as I know, I didn't see anything specifically saying, seeing the connection between them. Wow. Like it, yeah, they're from different institutions. So yeah, wow. That's pretty cool. But yeah, so I mean, it was interesting. I learned a lot about Vesuvius and Italy and the Roman Empire and this volcano. Uh, went down a huge rabbit hole reading about it, but it's fascinating, man. Wait, so really it talks even about like like politics of or like uh the government of the roman empire and stuff like I, I... no this is me just getting distracted but oh what is okay. interesting is so the the eruption was documented by both pliny the younger and pliny the elder okay who um i those are some of those names that like you hear in passing in school but i don't remember who they are so pliny the elder was a roman author sort of a natural philosopher and a commander the military in the Roman Empire, and then his son, Pliny the Younger, who's also known for documenting this eruption, was a, like a prominent lawyer and author as well. Wait, wasn't... I feel like I went down this Wikipedia rabbit hole too one time. Wasn't one of them killed in this eruption? Yeah, Pliny the Elder was killed. Okay, all right. So maybe that's actually why I recognize those names. That a along few... with, I'm sure Dan Carlin has just peppered it into my brain several times. <laughs> Yeah, I think several really important people were actually killed in it. There was wow. like a princess who was killed and stuff too. So as far as volcanic eruptions go, pretty devastating. Yeah, that's pretty wild. So is there any like part like particular background on this eruption that we need to know before hearing about like the specific research that was conducted? Not historically, but I guess what's important in terms of the research context is that even though we've known about this site and been studying it for a while, there's still some debate as to how the town's residents perished because huh. it's so dramatic like seeing the figures of pompeii like it's definitely worth looking up google images of them you know people debated like were they writhing in pain as they died slowly did it just like kill them in a flash yeah and so from a human perspective it's interesting just in understanding how this you know relatively big town perished so quickly 
there's definitely an emotional draw into understanding just the history of Roman culture and everyday life. But as well, there's a lot of insight that can be gathered from their remains and studying how they died. Because by looking at the bone structures, we can then learn methods for analyzing different sites around the world, which is especially important, especially important for like funeral rites, like we're in, in ancient ages, even modern times, you know, it's still common to burn bodies. Yeah. So you can learn a lot about customs that happen there. And um, yeah. Okay. So uh, these two studies then are looking into sort of different aspects of that, of how people died. What makes them, what sort of sets them apart from each other? Yeah. So the New England Journal of Medicine paper found one individual who was somewhat of an outlier. He was in like a small hut or a house, basically lying on his stomach and dead. And I mean, it's pretty brutal. When you read the analysis, like his skull burst from the heat and pressure inside. Oh, man. So he was exposed to what they think were very hot temperatures. In contrast, the Journal of Antiquity paper uh, looked at these groups of people who were trying to find refuge uh, in what are called the Fornici. Our Italian listeners are probably going to be upset at how I pronounced that wrong. But um, (laughs) these are essentially boathouses near the beach. And so there's a set of 12 boathouses, and there were like a ton of people huddled in, mostly women and children, a few adult men. Dude, this is so grim. Oh, it, this is just scratching the surface, man. Oh just my wait. gosh. And so then on the beach, there was a group that was more men, um, still a few women and children that were killed as well. It's not that far away. So what's interesting is there's a slight difference in the bones that they found, basically. And so they suspect that. They were exposed to different temperatures. Oh, like the people who are in the boathouse versus on the beach. Yes. And it's wow. like, yeah, so it's grim. I mean, Ugh. not to not to spoil it, but basically they found like these people did not necessarily die very quickly. Oh, man. Oh, OK, because what I what I always sort of imagined about this is that like given the way that when you yeah, like when you just go on Wikipedia and you see the pictures of the victims and stuff. You sort of imagine that, oh, they were asleep and it just, it happened so quickly or like whatever. The town was just like overcome and it was just like, it was all over in an instant, you know, but uh, you're kind of, you're kind of ruining that idea in my head. No, they knew it was exploding and they were trying to flee. Oh God, this is so depressing. Yeah. That's one of the things that they bring up in the article. They say studying the demographics of the people in these different areas Gives us better insight into how the residents reacted to this catastrophe and planned their escape. And so, sadly, it allows us to sympathize with our ancestors. And, you know, I think this insight definitely would change how people visit and treat the site when they're there. Yeah. Well, now I'm kind of wondering, like, I mean, what is the point of of digging this deep into it? Like, is there any benefit to be gained from this besides just making me feel way more depressed about this event? Well, I can't. I can't promise that you won't be less depressed as we dive deeper into the grim realities of what happened. But there's a lot to be gained in sort of, they call it bioarchaeological analysis and biomolecular analysis of the bones. There's a lot of nuance in how specifically the collagen in the bones responds to these different levels of thermal exposure. And Hmm. you can imagine there are a lot of different applications, especially in archaeology for that. Oh, oh, okay, I see. I was going to say, it sounds like something you could maybe test in a lab. But like 
you're not going to be able to test on like living specimens and <laughs> no i mean so it is interesting what they did for control cases because they did i mean they had they used control cases to compare and actually make sure there was some reason there were some reasonable differences in the measured specimens really do you want to get into that or, or uh, uh like I, i'm really curious yeah. to hear about that but i don't want to jump too far ahead in this paper if if it doesn't make sense yeah well let me lead into it so okay basically this research is building on a growing body of knowledge about human skeleton how human skeletons react to burning like i said there's these like complex changes that happen in the microstructures of the bone so some of the benefits archaeologically is it gives us insight into the funerary traditions of ancient societies and what they're really looking at is collagen in the bone because collagen makes up like 22 percent of the weight in a bone and previous studies have shown that it's actually pretty resilient to time and this process called diagenesis so it's like how just the general forces of pressure and heat and acidification decompose collagen so they found collagen that is still intact like over a million years old whoa in bones. that's crazy so it's a good marker to study if you're studying old bones yeah okay so for this study and again this is the journal of antiquity article there were a bunch of people in these Fornici or the boathouses. And so they took ribs from 152 individuals from six of the different boathouses and they prepared these samples for collagen. They also Wait, looked. They had 150 different people to sample from? There are more than that. Oh in the my boat gosh. Houses. Okay. You're... <laughs> like when you're, when, you're, when you're leading this up at first, I was thinking like, oh, you know, they had like, they found a family in this one and. You know, they have and they're gonna be sampling, you know, six six different human remains. You're talking about like hundreds and hundreds of people that they're studying. There are a lot. They looked at a lot of samples. Yeah. I mean, I could like the pictures are pretty gruesome. I mean, I'll show you a picture and um for people listening, definitely check out the the paper online. You should be able to get free access. But the so the Journal of Antiquity paper is actually open access. Sorry. So you can check oh, it that's out good. just freely. Do you see that on the Google Doc? Oh my gosh. So these are the like in situ remains and you can see them huddled up. Wow, these are like incredibly well preserved. Yes. I always think of these like the I always think of like those just blobs of kind of it almost looks like concrete or something. Like the ones that you see in Pompeii? Yeah, from like the Pompeii pictures. But this is just straight up this just looks like skeletons huddled up with yeah. each other in a room. Yes. <laughs> Dude, this and is there, so disturbing. There are 12 of these at this specific site. In 12 of, tw you mean 12 buildings that have this group of skeletons in them? 12 of these rooms. Oh my gosh. And in this one room, we're looking at, I mean, uh, I'm not going to go through and fully count, but it looks like at least 10 people in there. Yeah. From the numbers that I saw, it's like when they're in the rooms, numbers ranged from like 12 to over 50. Wow. This is extremely morbid. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, this is like a huge catastrophe. Yeah. So they looked at those ribs and what they were basically trying to look at is what's the percent weight of collagen that's left in the samples. And this will give some insight into the thermal exposure based on how collagen breaks down at certain temps. I see. So we already know how bones react to heat or how the collagen in bones react to heat. What we're trying to figure out is based on what we know about bones, what happened to these bones? Yes. Okay. 
And so to compare that, they also took ribs from four individuals from a 2nd century AD Roman necropolis at Velia. It's a site that's been studied, and I guess previously people had analyzed collagen in these folks' bones. But Wait, who are these people? Like, how did they die? I don't know exactly, but I think they just died normal deaths and were formally buried. So oh, okay. They they didn't experience this heat exposure. So they just like exhumed some remains that that were ordinarily buried. Yes. Yes. Okay. So that was sort of a you know roughly same time period, roughly same area, totally different cause of death. Man, it's amazing that we still have so much connection to ancient Rome. That like all these things just still exist for us to, you know, study and learn about. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, like there's probably entire other civilizations that have come and gone without us having any connection to them. Like we couldn't pick up a bone from a person who lived in that society, you know? Yeah, yeah. And imagine how much like we haven't even seen from the Romans that's like, oh, yeah, we haven't uncovered because it's like under some random plot of land or whatever. Yeah. So what they did for the analysis is I mentioned they took samples from the ribs. They then crushed them up into little two to five millimeter fragments. These were weighed, demineralized in a chemical solution, and then gelatinized and lyophilized, mm, which yes, are of course. processes that I can't <laughs> pretend to know what they are. Yeah. But well, gelatinized, with, I can kind of understand. Lyophilized, I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, maybe Lysol. I don't know. Anyways, they extracted the collagen. This is a way to extract the collagen. Okay. And so the number that they're coming up with, like the key metric that they're using to compare is the collagen's percent weight relative to the initial sample weight. So how much of the initial sample was collagen? Okay. And you said that like a normal bone like inside me right now is about 20 to 30%? Yes. Yes. Okay, yep. and I'm, I'm going to guess that that gets lower as it's heated, like if it gets heated up? Yes, I think basically as it's heated up, the ratio goes down, so you lose collagen. Okay. Or sorry, as the, sorry, as the heat goes up, you lose collagen. Yeah, like it's getting like cooked off or something. Yes. Okay, so they did that. There's one other part of the analysis that they did just to look at different ratios of uh, compounds left so not just collagen like other stuff yeah so like the carbon to phosphate ratio the carbonate to phosphate ratio crystallinity index so when exposed to heat you can imagine that this collagen starts to crystallize oh wow and so by looking at that it gives you some idea of the temperature they were exposed to and there's a lot i think there's a solid body of research on how biomaterials respond to heat okay so the fraction of collagen remaining in the bone is just one of several different indicators they can use to figure out how much heat the bones were exposed to? Yep. Okay. So I'm really curious then, what did they actually find? Like comparing these bones from the people who died in the boathouses to the people who just died normal deaths back in ancient Rome. So to sum it up, uh, they found that in these boathouses with more people, there was a greater amount of collagen in the samples and vice versa. So those with fewer people had lower amounts of collagen. Wait, what? So this suggests that the boathouses with more people were subjected to lower temperatures. I mean, still very high temperatures. Yeah. But why would that be? So 
they say it could be two things. One is that the previous temperatures estimated at this part of the village were too high. So the actual temperatures were lower. The other is that there are mechanisms which basically buffered the victim's exposures to the high temperatures, which is why in the title of this paper, they're like, basically, these people suffered more than we expected. Meaning that they, I mean, it wasn't just instant death. Like, right. Because if they just like got like run over by this pyroclastic flow, that would be like very high temperature exposure and would probably be very quick. If yes. they're like slowly cooked in this thing or maybe like smoked out, that's not a very fun way to die. Yeah. And so you saw how these boathouses are shaped. They're out of stone. It's kind of like an oven. So they're like, yeah, it basically is evenly distributing the temperature. And so the direct temperature is lower, but it's evenly distributed. And then this part was interesting. I don't have enough like thermodynamics knowledge to like really have a critical eye for what they're saying. But they said that the large number of people may have presented a lot of soft tissue to the temperatures of the pyroclastic flows. And since they're, they're radiating heat um, versus like just causing combustion of skin and clothes, it's like the skin and soft tissue is basically taking the brunt of the heat so that the bones were exposed to lower temps. This is basically like they're roasting. Oh, man. So, so the, okay, because this is what I was really curious about is why would there be a relationship between the heat exposure and the number of people? But what, mm -hmm. you're, what you're saying is that the rooms that had more people, there was just more tissue to absorb heat. It's like if you put a bigger turkey in the oven, it's going to take longer to cook. Oh, man. So listen to this Dude, paragraph. that analogy just made me sick. I know. Oh, my God. I, I'm like, I don't, I mean, I'm like smiling as I say I know, but I'm like inside I'm dying. Um, yeah. I mean, it's been long enough. Like we definitely don't, no one's going to be calling too soon on us or anything like that. But uh, <laughs> it's pretty horrible. But that's still really, really disturbing. So on that, on that fun note, let me read you this specific excerpt from the paper. Oh, dude, I don't know if I'm ready for this. At Herculaneum, the heating of the cadavers through pyroclastic exposure probably caused the outer tissues, dermis, muscles, and tendons, to swell. The movement of water into the central portion of the cadaver, i.e. the thoracic area, interfaces, aka the joints, with long bones and extremities, and the pelvic region, which may have served to bake rather than burn the skeleton. Dude, no, 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 no. <laughs> horrible right oh this is and, so horrible i mean on a, on a scientific investigative perspective like they found some interesting evidence too like the bone discoloration matches lower temperatures at higher temperatures bone tends to go gray or black and char mm -hmm. and the bone was like brown more brown here which could oh, have been caused no. from soft tissue discoloration you get cracking in bone and crystallization when at high temps but they didn't see that there was like there weren't the same number of skull fractures from heads popping. Dude, <laughs> I feel like woozy. I'm going to like fall over. So, yeah. So here's the morbid question that I'm hoping will provide some relief for my conscience right now. Do you, do they think that these people died before their bodies really baked? Like, did they suffocate first? I remember you mentioned something about suffocation. Like, did they suffocate from smoke die and then their bodies were slowly kind of baked by all this pyroclastic activity or were the boathouses like surrounded by lava 
and just heated up the stones until they couldn't take it anymore. I think what happened is that they were buffered from the immediate death, but it was probably like very uncomfortable and they likely probably suffocated or asphyxiated. I think it's probably hard to say exactly what killed them first. But I imagine there's like a lot of toxic fumes and stuff and smoke. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, hopefully that was a quicker process. Yeah. Yeah. Versus, I mean, I think a lot of people, they're exposed to these flows where it's like almost 500 degrees Celsius. And it's like your fat vaporizes at that temperature. That's like instant death. Instant death. Yeah. Yeah. Like your body literally is your soft tissue is vaporized yeah i mean like this is again morbid to say but like these people would have been better off not hiding in these buildings i mean they wouldn't have been better off <laughs> they, they would have died less. either either way you know yeah the end result is the same but in terms of which death would you choose like i'd rather take the you know i'm sleeping in bed and it just happens instantly yeah seriously no one wants to die in a oven <laughs> boathouse oven yeah surrounded by 50 other people also dying in a boathouse oven yeah horrific man dude this just like i don't know this is really disturbing i remember i know i think it was in high school i read this book called pompeii and Mm -hmm. it was like a it was like a fiction book like his what do you call like historical fiction or something it was you Mm -hmm. know about these characters or this character who lived in pompeii and kind of about daily life and there's this whole drama unfolding and and then the eruption happens and that's a big part of the story and uh, and i remember reading the book and think and there's a lot of you know interesting and somewhat gruesome scenes too but i remember thinking like man this would make a great movie and now that you're telling me all this i really don't want to see a pompeii movie no no you would hope that they just gloss over the whole like baking versus burning part <laughs> yeah like leave leave the uh the fornice fornice whatever they're called out of this yeah Ugh. Uh, okay so the people in these boathouses were baked to death was that all that they had studied in this journal of antiquities paper yeah so that was their main their main conclusion from the paper was like based on the results we expect they were exposed to lower temperatures than people suggested And, you know, here are our quantitative results that support that based on what we've seen. And like in the comparison with the uh, like the collagen levels in some of the individuals were pretty close to the the control case that they examined. Yeah. One thing I don't totally understand. And, you know, they, they did statistical analysis to look at, like, how significant are the results. I don't know what the variance overall of collagen is. So, like, someone with a good understanding might have a slightly different critical eye if they looked at this paper and they're like well based on this it's like they may have a better idea of how conclusive the results are i, I should see. say i see but this is where i'm gonna put my vote of trust into the peer review process yeah and you know if the conclusion is uh hey you know how there was this volcanic event that killed twenty thousand people turns out it was pretty gruesome for some of them <laughs> that's yeah. not a surprising result no no So what about this uh, vitrification thing that you mentioned at the beginning? So the vitrification, this, so the MD who is the first author on the paper, I think he's been working on analyzing the site since like the 80s. So he's looked at a lot of different bodies. And, but it was only recently 
that he actually started to realize like, hey, there's this weird, literally glassy material that's occurring like right around where this guy's head should be. And oh, no. they had the evidence of bone fragments from an exploded skull. No. The, uh, I mean, it's actually, it's fascinating to look at it. It looks like, if you've seen obsidian before. Yeah. Like it's used for arrowheads. Dragon glass. Dragon glass. <laughs> yeah. It, it basically looks like that. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it, so I mentioned at the beginning, this was, this was the story that I had seen was the brain turning to glass thing. And so I thought this mm-hmm. was all there was to it. So thank you for, <laughs> thank you for ruining my perception of Vesuvius with all the rest of that stuff. But, but the picture yeah. of this brain that had turned to glass was crazy. I mean, it doesn't yeah. look, it doesn't look, I can see why it took this guy years to ident- realize that this was part of the remains because it looks I, nothing like that. Yeah. And there's like nothing, there's almost nothing of the person's body left, except you see in the ash, like there's definitely a, the shape of a human skeleton left part yeah. of like a femur. Man, that's crazy. But so that was probably more like the person died quickly and then. Like the, like the head exploding part was not what killed them, I hope. No, I think they were vaporized. Okay. So, and w- what's interesting about this is like often brain tissue is really hard to study. I learned, I learned this fun fact. It actually turns into soap. Brain turns into soap? Yeah. Um, as it's like decomposing, there's a term for it. It's really, it's really interesting. It's really rare. Wait, is this find... called, su- is this called saponification? Yes. Dude, okay. <laughs> there's there's a really I don't know if I can even really tell this on on air. But there's just a really gross like anecdote where like there was some diet a bunch of years ago, like only a like a couple years ago that like I think Beyoncé was like really big on on touting how great this diet was and basically all you drink is like olive oil and like lemon juice and oh, maybe like one other thing. For, and mm-hmm. all, that's all you consume for like two weeks or something and yeah. then and then in your you know your excrement the, like this it comes it's out strange. and it's very liquidy and it's got this material in it that's like looks kind of waxy and beady and they claim oh these are antioxidants leaving your body this is a cleanse and then these scientists came out and they're like N- no that's soap you're like you're when you put Shitting those things soap. into your body and they react with the acids in your body, you're just pooping out soap. It's, Dude, that's and, so gross. Yeah, it's like it saponifies in your body. And I just remember that word saponification. saponification really well from that hilarious anecdote of a bunch of celebrities <laughs> just pooping out soap. Yeah, well, it turns out, you know, you can either use Beyonce's diet or you can have your head explode <laughs> next to a volcano. Yeah. Both create soap. You know, six in one, half dozen the other. Well, actually, I should say, no, being by a volcano would not because it turns your brain to glass instead. Okay, so so wait, so your brain can be saponified, but not in these conditions. Yes. The saponification of cerebral tissue or like brain tissue is the reason that it's so hard to study these tissues archaeologically. Like they just degrade. Yeah. So you can't study them. Hmm. So the science for this was like kind of interesting. Basically, like, they had the glass. They were able to analyze the contents. So they found, like, high iron oxide contents in the glass that suggests thermal degradation of particular proteins in the brain. Hmm. And basically, they were able to, like, 
they were able to do this like genetic sequencing on what was left. Wait, are you serious? I mean, they were able to pull up different, they were able to identify different proteins in the glassy material and sort of link them to proteins that are very commonly found in the human brain. Oh, okay. Um, so they didn't like pull this guy's DNA out of it. No, they didn't. I don't think they sequenced his okay. genome or anything. Okay. But, but I mean, very specific, from what I understand, brain markers. Um, and then they made the case like, you know, some of these can be found in other animals, but we haven't found any other animals in the near vicinity. So, like, we think this indicates brain tissue, basically. Yeah, that this was a human brain, too. And, yeah, they looked at, um, there's this, like, spongy mass that basically turned glassy as well from the ribs so they looked at that too and that had slightly that exhibited slightly different uh characteristics dude so this this guy's like whole body turned to glass yeah oh it's pretty man. crazy wow this is so disturbing i know it's like they're doing autopsies on people who died two thousand years ago in a very very horrific manner yeah i mean basically <laughs> And what are the chances these both come out in the same week? I know. That's why I'm like, they must have coordinated. Yeah. Or maybe, I mean, for all we know, these, this research is going on all the time. And they're publishing papers about this like every month. And it just happens that, you know, the New York <laughs> Times picked it up because they thought these two were cool. Particularly gruesome. Yeah. True. Yeah. Possible. But I mean, they came out on the exact same day. Yeah. Different journals. Different journals. It's all part of a big conspiracy. I know. This is just the, uh, big Vesuvius trying to get their name out there. <laughs> the Vesuvius lobby. Yeah. Damn. Did it again. Uh, yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for bringing both of those in. That was, a nice, in the mood. Yeah, that was a nice deep dive that I wasn't really prepared for on this just beautiful be, Sunday afternoon. Yeah, you know, just be thankful in Seattle we don't like live near any huge volcanoes or anything. I know. It's hilarious because right before recording this episode, James and I were talking about our plans to climb this volcano that we live under. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah. Hey, if we're on the volcano when it erupts, we're probably going to be spared most of the suffering. That's actually best case. Probably, yeah. you know, if you're going to go. Yeah. If we go, if we were hanging out in the boathouse down in Seattle, we'd not have a good time. Yeah. The real, I think... <laughs> The real moral from this paper is avoid oven-like structures <laughs> yes. near volcanoes. <laughs> yes, when they erupt. Yeah, cool. Well, Sorry, that yeah, was morbid. No, this whole thing was morbid, man. I'm debating whether to just delete everything we just recorded. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's interesting. Yeah, I talked about Beyonce's poop, and that was somehow not the most disturbing part of the episode. That was the brightest part of this episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, thanks for dealing with this episode. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, if you're listening, we didn't bring you down too much and you got something yeah, something interesting and uplifting. If you have that kind of uh, morbid curiosity and you want to check out the pictures of the, the boathouses and all that stuff from the paper, go check it out. Uh, we'll post a link to the open access paper on our website, paperboyspodcast.com. You can also find those links uh, through our social media, Twitter and Instagram, at paperboyspod. And then lastly, James and I would... Super appreciated if you just went and checked out our Patreon, patreon.com slash paperboyspod. It's a great way to help support the show. Yeah, the bonus episodes are great. If you enjoy our normal content, I think the bonus episodes are some of our some of the most interesting topics we've treated at least, and they're super fun for us to make. So I think that, I mean, it's super fun to make all the episodes, but I think it comes out. And so definitely check it out. It means a lot. 
I think the content is excellent, although I'm biased. Um, <laughs> but let us know. Let us know what you think. Yeah. For the small price of pie dollars a month, you can subscribe. Yeah, and a huge thank you to everyone who already is subscribed on the Patreon. Uh, we've really loved, as James said, we've really loved making the content for you guys, and uh, we've loved all the feedback you've given us. So, so yeah, hopefully some more of you uh, will will get to check out those bonus episodes. Patreon.com slash PaperboysPod. Thanks so much for listening, as always, and please join us next week for another exciting edition of Paperboys. Thanks for listening.